0: Hey everyone, just a quick note before we start the episode. Um, A few minutes into this episode, I uh, paraphrase a scripture and I mistakenly said that it's James who wrote it. Um, It's actually Paul, uh, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. Um, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, but worldly sorrow brings death. So anyway, just wanted to get that straight. I apologize for any inconvenience. Uh, Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone. welcome to this second episode uh, in our things that get in the way series. And so uh, last week I really just introduced the topic and this idea that you know as much time as we need to spend studying and learning the way, we also have to give attention to things that get in the way. Um, and so today we're just gonna um, tackle, I think, one of the one of the biggest things that gets in our way, uh, which is shame. Now, shame, when I'm talking about shame, I am talking about that feeling of not being enough, that feeling that something is fundamentally wrong with you, um, you know, it can, and it can manifest in different ways and it can get even more specific, like it's, you know, you're not good enough or you're not uh, smart enough, you're not talented enough, you're not confident enough, you're not competent enough you know you're not skinny enough you're not or you're too skinny or you know it it can attack us in many different ways but i think what you know whether it's specific or more general what they all have in common is again that that idea that there's something fundamentally wrong with us and therefore we are not worthy of you know and you can fill in the blank we're not worthy of love we're not worthy of being accepted, we're not worthy to have friends, we're not worthy to have a family, you know, like, it it can, um, you know, you can fill in that blank with a lot of different things. Um, And shame, it's, it's, the, the thing with shame is that everyone experiences it, but nobody wants to talk about it, right? Partly because it's just super awkward and uncomfortable to talk about, or honestly, sometimes I think we're not even aware that the thing we are feeling or the thing that is, uh, you know, triggering us to act in certain ways is shame. I think because we don't even recognize shame. Sadly, I think that's because we are so used to it that we almost don't even recognize it's there. You know, it's like, almost like the air that we breathe, right? Like we're so used to, uh, experiencing shame or being affected by shame that we don't even recognize its presence uh, sometimes, which is very telling as well. Um, You know, I'm not a psychologist, but, you know, I I just, you know, based on articles, books that I've read, um, I know that at least some psychologists consider shame to be the master emotion. Uh, I think in terms of negative emotions, right? I mean, obviously, there's lots of positive emotions that we feel as well. Um, But in terms of negative emotions, like I think, you know, you can trace pretty much any negative emotion back. You can trace its roots back to shame because it's that pervasive. It's that uh, all-encompassing. It really does, you know, touch pretty much every area of our lives. Um, And I know shame is, is a topic right now that, at least in recent years, it's become very um, trendy, like there's a lot more literature books, you know, around it, a lot more conversation happening around it, you know, some, which I find helpful, some, which I don't, but, you know, I think, you know, just the recognition of it is overall is a positive thing. Um, but just to be clear, like, I am not just addressing it because it's the latest, you know, trending topic on Twitter or like, you know, in the self-help, you know, section of, of the, of the, of the library or the bookstore, like it's not just because it's trendy now, but I really think shame is something that has plagued humanity from the beginning, um, at least since the fall of man. And so I, I believe it's biblical. Um, I believe I believe that God has a remedy for it, but, uh, but in order to even understand that remedy and how to access it, we have to even understand what shame is, how it affects us. And, you know, so I think it's helpful for us to, you know, always go to the scripture. And specifically, I want to go all the way back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis, because I think in learning even about, you know, shame's initial emergence onto the scene, I think we can learn a lot. Um, Before we do that, I just want to quickly say, you know, if you if you've read through the bible like you'll notice the word shame actually does appear quite a lot um you know sometimes it's a negative thing but it's not always like sometimes it can be a positive thing uh and what i mean by that is like uh so james uses this phrase he says there's a you know there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance but there's also a worldly sorrow that leads to death and he's using the word sorrow but if we apply that kind of idea that principle um I think there is a shame that can be a positive thing if it causes us to turn back to God, right? So if we sin, if we know we've done something wrong or we know we've turned away from God, we've disobeyed God, like there should be a measure of shame that we feel, but hopefully that shame, you know, in in best case scenario, what it leads to is us turning back to God and repenting. That's a, that's a good... Um, that's a good thing. And I think even, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but I think psychologists would say like, if we've completely lost the ability to feel any sense of shame or guilt or remorse, like, I think that's considered a sign that we're a sociopath, right? Like, like that's a really, that, that means we've gotten to a really bad place if we, you know, no longer even feel guilt or remorse, for the things that we've done wrong, you know. So um so again, all, I'm just saying that to say like, you know, shame it's not always a bad thing, but of course where it gets really bad and destructive to our souls is when we that shame, we use it to just beat ourselves up. It causes us to like run in the opposite direction of God, you know. Like I said, it doesn't cause us to turn to God. It actually causes the opposite. It it keeps us you know, even further and more removed from God. Um, you know, we just use it to, again, you know, plunge ourselves into darkness or depression and, you know, just feeling sorry for ourselves. Like that's not a positive thing. And so another just quick note is that, you know, again, I believe shame is, is actually the most tragic, um, out uh, consequence of our sin. So I don't think it's exactly the same thing as sin. It's not synonymous with sin, but they are very closely related. Um, I think sin ultimately is that we, we as a human you know, race have chosen to go turn away from God and to go our own way um, to try to attain our life, salvation, you know, whatever it is that God wants to give to us. We want to attain it our own way or another way that's not God's way so that to me is is really the essence of what sin is Um, but what that leads to obviously is a a separation from God um, a a disconnect from God and when that happens that I believe is when shame comes in and and I think we'll see that as we explore the uh, the biblical um, text so let's actually go now To Genesis 1, 2, and 3, Um, so if you're familiar with it, Genesis 1 and 2 is, you know, the story of creation. Genesis 3 tells the story of when man, you know, chose to turn away from God, okay? Um, But we see in Genesis 1 and 2, you know, it's the story of God creating the heavens and the earth and all the things that they contain. um, And it culminates with the creation of the first man and woman um, created in the image of God. Um, you know, and it's good. God looks upon his creation. He says, this is good, and he blesses it. Um, and if we even back up a little before that, before the creation of humankind, um, you know, we see God like he existed before all this. Um, and, you know, Christians, we believe in a triune God or the Trinity, which means that God is consists of three persons, three distinct persons who are all equally god They all are of the same essence, but they're distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yes, that is a bit mysterious. And I, that's not the point of my, this episode is to explain it. So I apologize if that's confusing to you, but, um, but, you know, we believe that God existed before time. He, and, and the God, the, the Godhead dwells in perfect fellowship with one another, perfect love. They, they love one another perfectly, um, And I believe it's within that environment, that environment of perfect love that they created humanity and always intended for humanity to dwell in. So we were created to also partake of that perfect fellowship, that perfect love. And I don't know if you can just imagine for a moment what that kind of environment feels like, right? Perfect love unconditional love it's not based on how well we perform how good our grades are or you know any other metric other than god and him being good and him god being love god is love and so there's no other reason you know there's no other metric by which we earn it or attain it it's just given to us as a free gift because he's good so just imagine like what that environment feels like what it would produce in us to live in such an environment right like think how much confidence we would have you know we would be unafraid to take risks because we you know we know at the end of the day we are loved you know um you know the apostle john you know writes in in one of his letters that perfect love casts out fear i mean can you imagine a world where fear doesn't even exist right can you imagine your life my life if without the presence of fear uh, it almost sounds too good to be true, right? It's hard to picture it because we're so used to it. It's so real. And it's such a part of our lives now, tragically. Um, but one of, I, I think, the most you know illuminating uh, descriptions of that early w- environment that uh, that man and woman was created into is the very last verse of Genesis chapter 2. And it says that the man and the woman, they were naked and they were unashamed. So not only did they not feel fear. Right. And because of the perfect love that existed in that environment, they felt no shame. Which is, again, it's so crazy to think about like a a world where there is no shame, because, again, shame is so pervasive. It's such a part of the human experience that psychologists would call it the master emotion. Right. Like there is no human being on the face of the earth or who has who has ever lived on the face of this earth that didn't know a measure or experience a measure of shame in their lives. Um, you know, and again, we can, we can, you know, trace our shame back to like our family, our parents, our culture or whatever, and say that those are the reasons why, um, you know, why we struggled with shame. But, and and again, I, I'm not saying those things don't have anything to do with it. They certainly don't help, but I actually don't believe that that's originally where shame enters the picture i believe shame enters the picture um in genesis 3 because you know for again if you know the story that's where the serpent tempts the woman and then ultimately the man to to disobey god to turn away from god and again i'm not saying that sin that shame is is sin um, I think there obviously is a measure of shame we feel when we sin, but I do believe the shame that I'm talking about today is was one of the m- most immediate and tragic consequences of that sin, of that separation from God. because once we were connected, or sorry, disconnected from that perfect love, that love that drives out fear, that perfect love that causes us, that reminds us that we're fully accepted, right? Once we're disconnected from that, it opens the door for shame to come in. And I believe it came in like a flood Um, and it has been present on the earth and in our lives from that day forward. And so that's why that's what I mean when I'm saying I, I believe that shame is ultimately the result of our separation from God because of our sin. Um, It's not just because of our cultures that we grew up in or our parents, though, again, like those circumstances didn't help matters, but I don't believe ultimately they are what is responsible. I think they reinforce that message of shame in our lives, but let's, you know, let's leave that for another conversation. Okay. So we see shame come in for starters. I want you to just even imagine what that felt like, because again, they lived in a world without shame so they're probably the only two human beings in history that knew a world without shame so whereas they had never felt it before all of a sudden they feel it and it's i just can't imagine how jarring that was i can't imagine how shocking that was you know because if you can ima- if you can try to identify what shame feels like for you then you can just again begin to imagine what it what it might have felt like for them how shocking it felt how just embarrassing and how it's more than embarrassing it's like what have i done (laughs) something is wrong something feels wrong with me right um and then not and then beyond what it felt like how jarring it must have felt we also look at the responses, right? Because when we feel something, when we feel a negative emotion, like we are going to respond to it in one way or another. And I think there is a good response. And I think there's a way that God would have us respond. But what we we can see with the first man and woman is that, you know, they didn't choose that way. They responded uh, in negative ways. And honestly, these are, very similar to the ways that we would respond today, you know, and we continue to respond today. So the first response we see is that, you know, the first thing that, that it tells us is that they realized that they were naked and so they covered themselves with these fig leaves. And so um, I actually want to say like that response or that that instinct to cover themselves up actually wasn't wrong in itself. It's just that they covered themselves up with their own, what they thought was the right thing or, you know, what they thought was was best. The truth is that God had a plan to cover them, but it wasn't what they thought. Okay, so again, that instinct to cover up wasn't wrong in itself. It's just that they chose to do it their own way, which is again, to me, what the essence of sin is, it's choosing to go our own way and live life according to our own wisdom or our own will or our own, um, you know, our own way. Because ultimately there's a part of us that thinks we can do a better job than God, that thinks that we can be our own God, though we might never even articulate it that way. But to me, that's thats all all of those things are what's, Underneath the surface of our sin, anyway, um, so they tried to cover up. That was one response to their shame. Another response to their shame is that you know they f- fear. You see fear enter the picture because in a minute you see that God begins to you know walk in the garden. They hear his footsteps. They hear his voice calling out to them, and instead of running to him, which I believe is the correct response to our shame, we um, they 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 said they were afraid and so they hid. And so they hid from God. They withdrew. Um, That's the second response. And then the third response you see is that they start, they start, you know, the blame shifting starts up real quick. You know, the, the pointing of the finger, um, the making of excuses, you know, it's not my fault. It's, it's, it's their fault, right? So the man blames the woman and actually also blames God in the process. Um, The woman blames, you know, the serpent and, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And, and, Again, I think those three core responses um, really set the stage for all of the responses that have been used to deal with shame ever since. and the the crazy thing is that in our shame, God's solution to that is for us to turn back to him because he has a solution. But the irony is that in our when we're in when we're in sin, when we're in shame, it's like the last thing we want to do is come to god um, and so rather than return to him which is the remedy we try to fix it our own way and so we just take a, an already bad problem and we just compound it we just make it worse because then we try to fix it in all of our own ways right and so you know some of us we try to cover our shame so rather than lean into our shame and recognize that you know, God is the only one who can fix this, you know, we try to cover it up, right? So we want to make ourselves feel better, or we try to just deny our shame. So instead of admitting that we're feeling shame, um, you know, we'll cover it up. And some of us try to cover it up with a good reputation, right? Like, you know, if, if people think well of me, then surely, like, I'm not flawed, right? Surely then some, nothing's wrong with me the way that my shame tells me it is, right? Um, some of us try to even cover it up with religious works right like good religious behavior like again in itself that's not a bad thing but if our underlying motivation for it is just covering up our shame it ultimately will not lead to life it's going to lead to death though it looks really good on the outside uh some of us we try to cover up with education right like we can't bear the fact that we feel less than or stupid So we try to compensate for that by over-educating ourselves. Again, none of these things are bad in themselves. I'm not saying education is bad in itself. But again, if it's being used to cover up our shame, right, then ultimately it is not going to lead to life. It is going to lead to death. Um, You know, some of us try to cover up with our jobs, our careers, you know, because we want to feel successful. Uh, we want to feel, you know what I mean? We want to feel capable. We want to feel confident. Some of us try to cover up with, you know, having a lot of money because we find a sense of security and comfort in that, you know, rather than in God. And so, again, there are so many ways that we cover ourselves up with those proverbial fig leaves, right? Um, you know, and then some of us, we, that shame causes us to withdraw, whether it's a literal physical withdrawal, like some people will avoid People They'll avoid uh, community. They'll avoid friendships or close relationships at the very least. Right. Like maybe your way of uh, of of withdrawing. It's not that you avoid people entirely, but you just don't let anyone get too close. Right. Or you just don't try to get too close to anyone. And then there's people that actually it's not that they avoid people or avoid crowds, but like they're where we can find ourselves right in the middle of a crowd and yet be holding ourselves back or even be, in a sense, hiding, not wanting to be seen, not wanting to be noticed, like, don't draw too much attention to me, you know? Um, And then, you know, the other way is that, you know, that shame actually causes us to lash out, you know, whether it's through anger or rage or, you know, blaming someone else for our pain or our problems, right? Like, we can't bear the fact that we not only that we did something wrong but that we feel wrong like some like something's fundamentally wrong with me we can't bear that and so for some people their response to that is to lash out or it's to blame someone else or to you know make excuses right like all of these are responses to shame and you know we're pretty creative as people so we probably have come up with a million other more ways since that time to deal with our shame or to respond to our shame. But I think we can probably trace it all back to, if not one of these three core responses to shame and recognize that a lot of the negative behavior that we engage in really is a response or it's our attempt to either answer our shame, cover our shame uh, deny our shame, or it's our attempt to regain what was lost in the garden, right? Because I, I think there is a part of within every human being that believes that they were made to be loved, and the reason that is tr- that, and that is true. Um, there's something in us that recognizes, like, there is something better for us. Like we were made for more than what we tend to experience, which is shame and fear, right? And all of its uh, effects, right? Like we recognize that we were made for something more. It's because we were, we were created for love. And it's not wrong for us to try to, uh, you know, get that back. But I just think most of the ways we attempt to do it that are outside of God ultimately lead to futility, and it's only when we embrace god's solution for our shame god's provision for our shame which is in his son and jesus's sacrifice he willingly laid his life down uh, on the cross for us so that we could be restored to god so that our sin could be forgiven and so that our our communion our relationship with god could be restored and when it is restored that's where we also get reconnected to that perfect love that casts out fear. That's where we get reconnected to that perfect love that heals all of our shame. And the and the, and the the good news is that that is freely available now to all of us. All we have to do is embrace it and receive it. And that takes a little bit of humility too, right? Because in doing that, you're admitting that i can't fix my shame on my own i can't achieve enough accomplish enough learn enough do enough be enough in my own strength to ever uh, overcome that feeling of shame i need god to do it i need god and and that takes humility and not all of us want to admit that we can't do it on our own there is that part of us deep down that kind of thinks we can do it on our own or kind of wants to do it on our own so that we can get the credit right and we can feel good about ourselves because we we did it you know and we can look at something and say i earned that or i i did that right and again that is not an entirely wrong uh, motivation but it is wrong when we are refusing to accept god's provision and his place in our lives. So again, shame is, is really a massive topic. Um, it, it will require some more episodes to continue to unpack it um, the way it deserves. But um, just as we finish today's episode, I want to offer you some some questions to reflect on. And the, the, the first one is this, are you able to identify and name shame in your own life. And another way you could think of that is, okay, what does shame feel like for you? Because I can tell you what it feels like for me. You know, I think for myself, when I feel shame, like I can feel my, you know, my face turn red. I don't know if it actually turns red, but I feel like it's turning red. You know, I just want to shrink away or run out of the room or just melt into the floor. You know, like that's what shame feels like for me. And and all the other times for me, when I really am feeling shame. Like sometimes I'll just completely shut down. Um, you know, almost like catatonic, like I can't speak, I can't think I can't move, you know, like it just shuts me down so that I can tell you what shame feels like for me, but what does it feel like for you? Cause it might feel a little different. Right. Uh, but the thing is, if we, if we can't even recognize it, then I don't think we will respond to it properly. Right. Um, so we have to be able to you know even in our own weak way identify and recognize shame and be able to name you know those moments when we're feeling shame the second uh reflection point i would i would offer to you is then to think about okay not only does what does shame feel like for me but then what is my typical response to shame and it might not be just one thing maybe it's one or two maybe three common ways that you will recognize over time that you do tend to respond or react when you're feeling shame because i'm telling you you know unless our immediate response is to turn to the lord you know in our shame and with our shame um we are going to respond in some way right like for me it, you know it's usually something more along that lines of withdrawing as i said like my tendency like i'll either literally remove myself you know from the room or the situation or or i'll be there but i'll just kind of shrink back and i'll you know i'll shut down or i'll you know like i just i just don't want to be there you know and and i don't even want to say anything you know like that's a very common way that i've recognized that i tend to respond when i'm really really sitting in shame but for others it might be different right like your first response might be to lash out or lash back or or blame someone or or, you know make some kind of excuse you know for other people you know in it might it might be neither of those but it might just be that you know it drives you then to try even harder to you know prove your worthiness or prove that there's nothing wrong with you or prove that you're enough you know like it, it again it can be so many different ways but I would challenge you to, to ask yourself, um, you know, what are, what is the main way that I respond? Because if you can recognize it, then that will help you in the future to, uh, to, to deal with those situations as they arise. And so again, you know, this is a a heavy topic. This is a major topic. As I've said, I I always want to leave us with good news. Um, and, and again, the good news is that the Lord has a remedy for our shame. The Lord has an answer for our shame. And so re- it sounds so simple, but all we need to do is turn to him when we sin, turn to him in our shame, though everything in us is screaming the opposite. That's actually what he wants because he knows he is the only one who can answer our shame. And so that's good news. Again, we'll have much more to say on this topic in future episodes, but I'll leave you with that. Uh, God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a rating and review, and we'd be especially honored if you would pass along the podcast or recommend it to a friend. Before we sign off, I just wanted to mention one of the most popular services we offer, which is coaching for individuals and couples. So on this podcast, we're able to share biblical truth, practical wisdom, but we're speaking on in very broad terms. That's just the nature of the medium, right? Uh, But what coaching allows us to do is to get into the specifics of your story or your situation and apply these principles in a more focused way. And while we can't promise that we'll always find a solution or resolution, many times we've found that it's helpful for people just to have someone to listen and process life with. Sometimes that's actually what we need the most. Um, so if that sounds appealing and you're still not quite sure, we even offer a free 30-minute session for new clients. That's a great way to try out coaching with no financial obligation. Um you can find more information about coaching or our other services at our website, thejourneyhome.global. And finally, if you want to connect with us, you can email us, you can connect by social media. All of the links to our accounts are in the show notes below. We truly love hearing from you, and we promise we actually will read and respond to your emails or social media interactions. Um, So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.